Welcome to Center Stage with international opera star Pamela Kuhn. And now, here is your host, Pamela Kuhn. And the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. I have just returned from two weeks in London. My head is still swimming with the memories of a trip that was inspiring on a variety of levels. I was there to work teaching young professional opera singers to give them a boost in the arm of vocal technique and style with a definite American flair. But I also celebrated a landmark birthday with dear friends flying in from several countries to help me share the riches of our relationships. While I was there, I also adjudicated a major vocal competition with two other judges who are both pinnacles of talent in the operatic world. Hearing 10 young finalists at the top of their game is an enriching experience, each bringing their talents to the competition and revealing who they are through their art. We judges sat with anticipation, hoping that each singer brought their best focus to the stage, because we all know the challenges of competition, where the demands are tense and the slightest fragility can be the defining element in who wins. There was a keen camaraderie amongst the judges, and we were comfortable in our own skins while coming together to decide the fate of each finalist. It was as exciting an experience as the name Verdi inspires. Amongst all of this, I also taught 45 sessions to operatic singers. Over the past year, I have traveled several times to London to teach, and each time I am met with exciting young singers with terrific voices. I love my work, and I am good at it. Let's call me a troubleshooter for voices, whereby I can listen to a new voice and quickly come to know what is working and what needs help. Working with each individual is like a mini opera to me. Every singer is dramatic, and when they give you their trust in trying to solve issues in their voice or a crippling lack of confidence, you realize the immense responsibility that you hold with each person. I worked with a wide range of operatic talent. Some were at the beginning of their careers, and some who had been working, but were not finding the success that they should have. I worked with a few who had put music aside because they had stopped believing in themselves, whether due to a traumatic incident in their lives, poor teaching, or a lack of success that has reduced their confidence level to the point that they can no longer find the strength to stand up in audition. Because I am there for only a short time, usually one or two weeks, I push myself to maintain a strong energy level with open ears and no bias so that I can help each person who walks through the door of the enormous church in Fulham in West London where I do my teaching. What is at the core of this work for me? I can tell you right now it's skill in communion. It is all about relationship, humility, and a wonderment in the unique world of those blessed with vocal talent. The relationship that I am building with these singers will be lifelong, and thanks to my work ethic forged in my upbringing in Eastern Oregon, I will always make myself available to them. But there was another element to my trip that was rather astounding, on both a personal and artistic level. My friends at the Flynn Gallery in Greenwich had recommended that I reach out to visual artist, poet, performance artist, and author Brian Catling. Mr. Catling is an Oxford Don, a professor of art at the extraordinary university that I would later discover he refers to with kindness. When I reached out to him, I half wondered whether he would respond to my interview request. 
I was surprised and delighted at his acceptance. And then I faced the stages of intimidation of the thought of interviewing such a celebrated artist and intellectual. I was joyously relieved when I was swept into his mystical world when we finally met. The interview was heavenly, and I will take joy in offering that to you in the coming weeks. But on that same day, I also accepted a dinner invitation to the home of John Ronsley and his lovely wife, Nula Willis. John was my colleague as one of the judges for the Verdi Prize singing competition. We liked each other immediately, and I could not wait to speak to him about his life, his singing career, and his role of Nigel in the 2012 film Quartet that was directed by actor Dustin Hoffman. For those of you who do not recognize these names, John Ronsley is the exciting baritone who for years defined the role of Rigoletto by Verdi. With a zest for living personality and voice to match, his personification of the famous Jonathan Miller production of Rigoletto, set in the world of New York's mobster-dominated Little Italy, established a high bar for all singers that would follow in that role. Born in Colne, Lancashire, he is proud of his simple upbringing and the art that he had accomplished. His wife, Nula, is one of the most extraordinary English women I have ever met. With the stories of her life in the performing arts and her contralto voice that earned her a significant career, she is a respected artist. But it is her loving empathy, shown through dozens of stories of her close relationships and her work with famous singers, conductors, and composers, that personifies her. She and her husband John are bound to each other with a love that is as unconditional as the music they both cherish. Each encounter in my time in London complemented the other to a point where I have realized that this trip became a series of chapters in a book. One chapter relied on the next, unfolding into a world that defined the reasons why we artists continually seek passion and inspiration. Plus, once I set foot in London, I am always overwhelmed with the feeling that I am home. I lived there for 20 years, from 1977 to 97, studying with some of the most sublime artists and teachers in the world and carving my own career in a city that lives and breathes art and inspiration. I know that many of you listening who understand the workings of life in England will immediately recognize what I am speaking about. There is a formality and discipline still evident in the life there that is both compelling and unique. And for some of us who have made the conscious choice to live and work there, the United Kingdom offers up to us an immense sense of tradition and history. We are definitely stepping into a world surrounded by Oxford dons, English literature, music, dance, and visual art, both modern and classic. Yes, there are significant changes going on in the UK today, but the artistic life there is still rich, and the gentle chaos of London welcomes us to stay a while and drink it up. I would now like to share a little of my experience with you. I will start with the evening I spent with John Ronsley and Nula Willis. It was magical in a kind of this-is-a-once-in-a-lifetime evening feeling. But let's start by introducing you to the rich voice of the memorable John Ronsley. Here he is singing the Largo al Factotum from the Barber of Seville by Rossini. (laughs) 
years old and I um, I used to sing stuff at Christmas at, at my junior school jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way oh and I used to say, I just used to stand up and sing and I thought that was just the easiest thing in the world yeah yeah there was nothing about it there was nothing there's nothing difficult about it and when I used to go and stay with my mother's sister Betty my auntie Betty yeah and I would go, and I would sing during the night. I would sing people to sleep, mm-hmm. or not. People would go, John, shut up! <laughs> people would say, and I'd be singing. I'd go, well, I, I was singing rather nicely and everything, but you know, it was all non nonconformist chapel stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Methodists mm-hmm. and Baptists and so on and so on. And I sang. I just sang. Mm-hmm. As everybody did, as, as everybody yeah. did yeah. in the north yeah. of England, my part of the north of England, they, they, they sang and loads of choirs, loads and of choirs, and, and male voice choirs, and so on and so forth. So I joined the 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 the, um, the, the, the a male voice choir, and I that male voice choir behind me. That's there's a photo. Oh my gosh! And my father, my you. father is on there. My dad and the man in the middle was the great conductor. He was my mentor, and he was a cotton mill owner. Pam, it was a cotton mill and it was, was You're may I call you Pam? I hope absolutely. you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But I, 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 my, my father, my, 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 my mentor was, was, was a cotton mill owner, uh, uh, Ian P. Riley's and Sons in Cone. Good Lord. And he was a fantastic musician. And when he died, oh God, I miss him so much. I miss him so much to this day. When he died in 1978... He was buried in, in, in the churchyard at Folridge, uh, uh, a wonderful uh, little village on the way to Cone called Folridge, uh, F-O-U-L, Ridge, Folridge, Church. Mm-hmm. And it says, his gravestone says, Ronald Riley, musician. Beautiful. Not Ronald Riley, Cotton Mill owner, Cotton or Miller, yeah. And E.M.P. Riley's Cotton Miller, uh, Ronald Riley musician. That's what it says. That is. Lovely. And I, I, when every time I go up there, I, I, my both my parents are now gone, but when I go past there and I, I to go and see other relations, yeah, yeah. Malcolm, yeah. my my darling cousin, Malcolm in in, in Cone in Lancashire. Um, but when I go past, I always stop, and I go. And I look at Ronald's grave, and I'm 60-odd, and I still go and look at Ronald's grave, and I salute him, because he was my mentor, and he was the man who kept the 
interest alive. And when it came time for me to go to music college, to the Northern School of Music in mm -hmm. Manchester, mm -hmm. in 1971, before the Royal Manchester College of Music okay. and the Northern School of Music amalgamated to become the Royal Northern College right. of Music, right. or the Northern College of Music, because we <coughs> didn't get our Royal Charter until 1973. He kept that vision mm -hmm. alive. And it was he, Ronald Riley, who said to my mother and father, you've got to let the lad go. My brother had gone to, to, the, to the Royal College of Art. Yep. He'd gone to... Another artist. He'd yep. gone to the Royal... My sister got married in 1958-59 to get away from home. <laughs> this is how it was mm -hmm. in England at the time, because my, my sister... My dad used to stand... Every time my sister went out with her boyfriend, my dad would stand on the end of the street saying, what time do you call this? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you've been there. You know, you yeah, know it was a like. beautiful time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm my sure sister said... <laughs> if my sister, my darling Cynthia, my darling sister Cynthia, if she was here now, she it wasn't a bloody beautiful time. It was a pain in the backside. It was... Anyway, she got married to, to this lovely man called Roy who became a... A, dear man. a dear man, a wonderful brother, a wonderful brother to me. But when it became my turn to leave, and my parents didn't want me to go, didn't want me to go at all. They wanted to stay at home. And to not, do something practical and sort of ordinary. Not, right. not stay at home and say, look after us, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not about that. It but was to just stay close. Stay, stay close, close yeah. exactly that, Pam, mm -hmm. exactly that. And I, uh, I, was, I, wanted, I had to go, and Riley, Ronald Riley said to my father, you've got to let the lad go. You've got to let him go. Because if you don't, you'll regret it. Mm -hmm. Nay, nay, my dad said, no, he said, you'll be all right here. He said, all right here. He said, what, what's, what's for him here? I was working in textiles. Really? I was a weaver. I was this, I was that, the other. I was working in, at that time, I was working in textile management. For a, for a company called Smith and Nephew Textiles. And they love me and I love them. And I, I've kept in touch with, 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 with some of those people. A lot of them have gone, crying out loud. I'm 60 bloody six, you know. I'm, I'm an old man now. But, you know, I, I've, there's some, of, some of them I've kept in touch with, but they've, the majority have gone. They've all, all, they've all gone. But and I, I, I said to... I said, Dad, Dad, you, I, I want to go and do this. No, 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 you've got to stop by here, you've got to stay close. And it was Ronald Riley who said, you've got to let him go. And that's when I went to music college in 1971, to the Northern School of Music. Ronald played for me. What did you say for your audition? I'll tell you what I sang for my audition, I, I knew you were going to ask that. i tell you what I sang. I sang Arm Army Brave. Yeah. But with the with the receipt before, very good. As we say in Lancashire, the receipt before. Receipt. I feel. I feel a deity within. I feel a deity. I can. I can get our mummy brave off the shelf here and put the bloody cords down. And I feel a deity within. And and I, I, I sang that. And I sang uh, um, a Schubert piece, a Schubert song called, uh, um, oh, I'll tell you, uh, um, oh, God, what, what, what was it? It was, 
The two grenadiers. Oh, okay. yeah, the Schubert one. Not yeah, the, the Schubert two. Okay. Gren- mm-hmm. Was it Schumann? Probably. Schumann. That, listen, yeah. that is the only time and the last time I sang it, <laughs> and I sang it in English. It's not his thing. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't do those songs. I sing songs uh, because I mean, dear old Martin Esep, the great mm-hmm. Martin Esep, mm-hmm. said to me, John, John, Glyndebourne, years later, you've got to sing some Schubert. You've got to. I said, I can't sing this Schubert stuff. I said, it's so up itself. It's so... And I said, it's not about that. I said, I don't sing that way. I said, it's open-chested. And I sing in an open way. I sing with honesty. Mm-hmm. With and Italian I, music, really. And I said, I, I'm an Italian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Martin Esep said, what do you mean you're an Italian? You're English. You come from... I said, no. I said, I, I come from another planet. I said, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that I was an Italian in another life. <laughs> I said, I can't do all that. Well, actually, even the Italians thought that. Even the Italians. Really? When, when, I, when, when I worked there, when I worked you know, there. They, they, they'd say, yeah. it's, it's not possible that you you, you, you English. English. No. <laughs> and they all, always would call it Giovanni, Giovanni. <laughs> Giovanni, they call me Giovanni. <laughs> Giovanni Ronzelli. Giovanni Ronzelli. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, Pam. Yeah. Years later, if I'd have changed my name to Giovanni Ronzelli, I might have had a career. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Italian, you know what I mean? But I, I, I tell you, I, I, I couldn't sing all that, all that sort of Schubert stuff. I really couldn't. I wasn't Ben Luxon. I wasn't Tom Allen. The lovely old Tom sang it so well. I tell you, and you may not agree with me, or may you may agree with me, but I think that Ben Luxon was the finest singer of the Schubert repertoire, better than Tom, mm-hmm. better than Tom. And Ben was, ben was my hero. And Ben was my hero, and I said to Ben when we, when we became friends, because my dad used to say to me, before I ever went to Glyndebourne, when I was a student, mm-hmm. my dad thought that Ben Luxon was the finest baritone he'd ever heard. Your father? My father. Yeah, that's yeah. impressive. And yeah. he said to me, he said, well, you can sing, and my father mispronounced his name. He always called him Luxon. As uh-huh. opposed to Ben Luxon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Put an M on the end. Well, you can sing like Ben Luxon. You'll be a great singer. There you go. And Ben became a great friend. And when, in 1978, my mum and dad, they came for the second time to see me at Glyndebourne. They came for a holiday all the way down to Sussex from the north of England. And it was very warm. Big adventure. Eh? Big adventure. Big yeah. adventure. It was a huge adventure then. And we were sitting in the Courtyard Cafe, as it was then, at Glyndebourne and everything. And what was I singing? I was singing Marcello in La Boheme, wasn't I? Yeah. And um, in the season. And Ben was there, and he was singing Papageno. Mm-hmm. Um, in, the, in the Magic <laughs> Flute, of course. And he walked past and said, Ben, Ben, Ben! I called him over. And my dad said, who's this, who's this? I said, Dad... It's Ben Luxon. And my father looked at me and he said, Nay. <laughs> nay, nay. No, no, no. And he said, Ben, Ben, come and, come and say hello. I said, Ben, I said, this is my father. I said, and he would like to meet you. I said, because he has been a great fan of yours. Mm-hmm. And Ben looked at my dad and he said, Miss, and this is the great, this is what, this is what it's all about. 
Mr. Rawnsley, he said. Mm. He didn't say, oh, hello, Fred. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything like that. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was respectful. Oh, hello, respectful. Mr. Rawnsley. Exactly. And that's how... And that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. And I think we've lost that a little yeah, bit, Pam, have, you know. we have, John. Yeah. And he said, hello, Mr. Ronsley, how are you? And my father looked at him, and he shook his hand, mm-hmm. and my father burst into tears. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. I, 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 get my, I get prickly-eyed thinking about yes. that. Yes, absolutely. Do you remember, Lulu? Such she a beautiful... Did. Yes. And, and, and my father, um, he said, oh, oh, um, oh, I don't know what... I, and, and Ben put his arms around my dad, and hugged him. He was standing up. My dad was sitting down, and he hugged him, and he said, "Mr. Rawnsley, you know, now come on, come on, come on, lover. Don't don't be like that, my lover. You know, doing all that Cornish stuff because Ben did that." Uh huh. Uh huh. And then he sat down. I said, "Dad, I said this is." And my father, all he said was, "Nay, nay." Nay, bloody hell, bloody hell, he said. Oh no, no. He never thought that. No, never, ever thought. And I meet his hero. And mm-hmm. I turned to mm-hmm. Ben and I said, Do you know why my father's like this, Ben? And Ben said, No, no, John, no, 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 because we by that time we were we were we were friends. I said, Well, Ben I'm gonna be tearful here. I said, Well, Ben, I said, My dad always said to me, When I can sing like Ben Luxon, I'll be a great singer. And Ben just looked at my dad and put his arms around him and he said he is a great singer. People so, say to me, you know, oh, you're not singing opera anymore, are you, John? I said, well, no, I'm, I'm, uh, 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 I'm, I'm singing, in, in, I'm doing West End sound, I'm doing a musical. I'm do- oh, oh, you're having to do musicals now. Uh, you're because having to. Yeah, you're having to, yeah. that's the thing, you're having to do musicals because your voice is gone. I said, hang on a minute. Whoa, 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 hold the phone. I said, uh, having, having to do musicals. Well, you know, uh, your, your voice is gone. You, you, you're having to do... I said, wait. I said, I'm playing eight shows a week. Yeah, your voice can't... If my that. voice exactly. was knackered, if I was knackered, I said, do you think I could sing eight shows yeah, a week? That is, yeah. And this was people in the opera business. Well, uh, uh, because they have no idea. Mm-hmm. No, the they, most, don't, they, they don't reckon it. The most an opera singer does. And this is the great ones right across the board. Everybody. Everybody. Callas. All the great baritones. All the great mm. ten. All the great American. Oh, my God. What was his name? The, the great duet. That great duet with Bob Merrill and... Uh, oh, uh, Tucker. And Dick Tucker mm-hmm. singing in Vanu Alvaro. How mm-hmm. many performances of Force of Destiny do they do a week? Two. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not two. Exactly. Mm-hmm. To, all right, they might get paid twenty thousand dollars a performance, but at that, in those days, two—that's all—that's all they ever Is did. That one possibly, and so they were fine. And people say to me, Ronsley, how many rigolettos do you do a week?" I said, "Well, the most I've done is is four uh, or three, uh, but I have done other stuff. I have done a Sanson Dalila and then a Marcello back to back." I said, no, no, but, but you, when, you're, when you're in a big show, when you're in a West End show mm-hmm. or a Broadway show, you're doing eight shows a week. Absolutely. Right. You're yeah. in Malinese and stuff like that. And you don't say, oh, I'm frightfully, I'm frightfully sorry, I can't. I'm quite tired. I can't. <laughs> do, do you mind? I, I really can't do the Wednesday matinee. And, and the management looks at you and says, hey, we're paying you X thousands of dollars a week. Mm-hmm. 
you'll do the matinee. <laughs> And they stick, a finger, right. they stick yes. a finger up at you. And he's, ah, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, You'll find a way. You've You'll find a it. way, exactly. There's, there's, there's I did eight shows a week in, show, in, in West End shows. Mm. And people said to me, friends, sorry, inverted commas, people who... Acquaintances. Acquaintances. Well, they, were, they thought they were friends. People said, what are you doing at the moment? Oh, I'm in Cats. I'm doing all Deuteronomy in Cats. Oh, how did you get that? I said, well, I auditioned. Oh, you auditioned? You mean your agent didn't get it for you? I said, no. I said, I had to audition. I said, different agent, not opera agent. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I had to go and audition. Oh, so you auditioned? Yes. And you got the, yes, I got the job. <laughs> well, oh, I suppose I'd better start auditioning. I said, no. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. When you work in the West End, people want to know, the management want to know, can he do, he or she do eight shows a week? Mm-hmm. They want to know that. I had to go and, I went off and did some some stuff. What was it? I did, I did my... Uh, 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 you, 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 you did your apprenticeship. Apprenticeship yeah. somewhere uh, else. Doing, doing smaller, small, no, you I know, stepped back. smaller oh, scale oh. things. I, ha- I have sung Rigoletto all over mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Macbeth. Mm-hmm. All the great Verdi operas all over the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I ended up stepping back mm-hmm. four or five paces and doing bits of stuff and working with people in, 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 in tiny little theatres dotted around London. And people said, why are you doing this to yourself? You're a great singer. You've done this, you've done that. I said, no. I said, I, I, want, to, I want to do this because... Mm-hmm. I, I, I want people to re- think, realise that I can actually do these roles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and do eight shows a week. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm sorry, no, I'm not grand. I've never, yeah. been, I've never been a grand singer, as it were. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've had a huge, a huge career like singing Rigoletto. And I will tell you, I don't think there was anybody better than me singing Rigoletto well, at that absolutely. time. Right. But I said, no, I said, I've got to do this. I've got to, because... Mm-hmm. If I don't, these people, the managements and things, well, can you do eight shows a week? So? It doesn't give a damn. They don't give a rat's arse who you are. That's right. Can you do eight shows a week? I just want to know that you have the stamina. So you exactly. have to prove about stamina. And also, mm-hmm. also, it's what we talked about a few weeks, well, last week when we, when we first met. Mm-hmm. We talked about the great Eileen Farrell, yep. who said, same technique, Different style. Mm-hmm. And that has been my mantra. That has been our mantra. Well, that, a lot of our stuff I, has been our when mantras. I, when, I te- when, I, when, I, when we teach, you know, when people come along here, <clears throat> they want to sing um, a number, any number. Mm-hmm. It might be simple, you know, like, you are my lucky star. Yeah. You know, if ever I would leave you and all yeah. that stuff. Same technique, different style. I will be back next week to share part two of Life with John Ronsley and Nula Willis. They share delightful stories about what you do with the money that you make at Italian opera houses when you are paid in cash at the interval, and then how they came to be discovered by Dustin Hoffman for the beautifully crafted film Quartet. This is an insider's view, folks. In the six hours that I spent with them, laughter was uncontrollable. But best of all, I discovered two unsung heroes of life. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down at center stage.